right. Well, hey, good morning, Harvest. So good to be with you this morning. If you're not feeling good after watching that, man, just kind of get sort of chill out there for a second. Hey, I am so excited to be with you. The last time that I was here uh, with this church, you weren't in this building. Uh, you were over in the middle school, and uh, we were not in the building that we're meeting in. There's been so much that's been happening in Madison. Uh, and if you don't know, if you haven't been kind of keeping up um, with what's been going on for us, we just bought a church building, uh, kind of came out of the blue, had this really cool opportunity to purchase this old church, and we just moved in um, just a couple months ago, and we've been renovating and working on that, and it has just been a crazy season uh, for the life of our church. Uh, timing worked out great. I think we were able to sell you guys some of our stuff, and so the trailers and some of the bins and things that you guys are using here, it was so uh, just cool how God worked that out, but we are so excited about what God is doing. Uh, the, the building that we are now meeting in is in such a strategic place uh, for, in the, for ministry in the city. Um, it's in a neighborhood where there are no other churches around. It's racially diverse. The needs there are great. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God can do and is going to do there in that place. And so the reason I share all of that and why I wouldn't begin with that is because uh, this church, Harvest Rochester, has been instrumental in planting us. You guys were such a big part of planting our church and beginning our our church in September of 2017, and as we approach uh, two years, I think we're 21 months old. I think we're still, you know how like newborns, babies, it's all months for a while, and then it gets like awkward when they're like 52, 55 months old. You're like, okay, you got to switch to years now. Uh, so we're, I think, 21 months old as a church, and God has just done so much, but you have played such an instrumental part in that. And your pastor Steve and the elders and just the way that you guys have cared for and helped us. Our church is just so grateful for you. We pray for you regularly. We are connected and excited about the ministry that is happening here. And we're excited about the way that we're seeing lives changed by Christ. And the way that we're seeing people begin to follow him for the very first time all through the things that you guys have done. The way that you have partnered with us in that. And you should be encouraged by that. And so I just want to begin by saying thank you for your participation in the gospel and know that we are praying for you and that we are excited to continue to partner uh, with you. And certainly thankful to Steve and to the elders for the chance to be able to share God's word with you this morning. That's what we're going to do now. So if you have your Bible, you can grab it and open up to Mark. We're going to be in chapter 1 this morning. Uh, this is a message that has been just on my heart and has been something that we've been looking at together in our church. And I wanted to share it with you this morning. And as you're turning there, I'm going to meet you there in Mark in a second. But I actually want to begin by looking at a scene from Acts. And it's actually a scene that, that Pastor Steve referenced last week in his sermon. And so as you're turning to Mark in Acts, the book of Acts, if you don't know, tells the story of the beginning of the church. That's what we're here today. We're participating in the local church. Well, that all began there in Acts, and we see how it started. And the church throughout Acts was multiplying everywhere. You know, like dandelions, when spring hits, they start kind of popping up everywhere. You're like, where did all these come from? That's kind of how the church was, except in a good way, right? The church is popping up all over the place. And then we see this guy, Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus closely. We see him rise up as this prominent leader, and he was known in what was the church there in that day. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, this is the day which comes to be known the day of Pentecost, we see that the church explodes in this really big way. And Peter's instrumental in that. 
In Acts 2.14, Peter, he stands up with the eleven and he lifts his voice and he addresses them and he says, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And then he goes on to preach just this powerful, impactful sermon. And you see that thousands respond to this and give their life to Jesus and begin following him. With conviction, he says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. It says that thousands were added to the church that day. Thousands were baptized that day. And so we see this picture at the beginning of the church. Peter standing up in front of thousands of people proclaiming this message of Jesus. You see the boldness that Peter had. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I wonder, like, how did he get that way? Was he just kind of born preacher? Was he this born leader? Because we see his conviction. We see even in the writings that he wrote and that we have in Scripture, we see this this bold leader. But if you know the story of Peter, that's not how it all started for that. It certainly didn't start that way, and it certainly didn't happen overnight. In in, in Mark chapter 1, we see the beginning of where Peter was first encountered Jesus Christ. And he had a pretty humble beginning. He was a pretty unlikely candidate to lead this new movement. Peter was a Galilean fisherman. And Peter, along with the other leaders of the church, were not anything particularly special. Uh, They were just a group of ordinary guys living sort of normal lives, doing their own thing. But all of that changed when they encountered Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bible open to Mark, we're going to see the first time that we get to meet Peter, and it's just a few years before this scene. So I want you to keep this scene, this picture of Peter preaching before thousands. Now as we go back and we look at Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16, you see it there, follow along with me. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, that is Peter, that's, that's who we're talking about here, Peter and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Here it is. Here's what we see. This is where Peter first encounters, first meets Jesus. And what happens next is what makes all the difference in the life of Peter. Do you know what happens? Jesus calls Peter to follow him. And this is the big idea of what we're going to see today. We're calling the sermon Following Jesus. But here's the big idea for us. It's this, is that Jesus has given a clear calling to follow to every one of his disciples. And this is what the heart of being a Christian is. The heart of being a Christian is being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I know you have been talking about this. This has been a theme that your church has been looking at together. And so we want to drill into this and see and understand that you can't separate the two. You cannot be a Christian and not follow Jesus. It's impossible. The two are incompatible. 
The Bible makes that clear. Jesus makes that clear. This isn't just a call for people who are in some sort of vocational ministry, right? Or some people who are, who are just missionaries. Rather, all of us, if you're here this morning and you would say that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, then we need to be clear about this, that Jesus has put a call on your life to follow him with your life. And that's what we want to look at this morning, is what does this following mean for us? How do we live this following out? Because what we're going to see is that Jesus makes it amply clear what the result of this following is supposed to be. And as Christians, following Jesus is the central factor that you and I need to get right. We cannot miss it. In Mark's gospel account, as he's beginning this ministry, it begins with the calling of these four men... And these men answered the call to follow, and we're going to see that and what this call was and what it was that they responded with this morning. Before we go any further, let me just pray that God would teach us now as we spend this time in God's Word together. Would you pray with me? Our God, we're so thankful for what you're doing here in our midst, God, what you're doing here in Rochester through this church, God, through Harvest. God, we're thankful for what you're doing in Madison and the way that you're uh, God, the way that your gospel is spreading there and the way that we're seeing lives impacted there. And God, this morning as we turn our attention to your word now, God, we want to learn from it. And so we humbly ask that you would teach us now in this moment, God, that your spirit would meet with us here, that your spirit would instruct us here. And God, through our turning to your word, Lord, that we would respond accordingly. Uh, Father, that we would hear and that we would listen. God, we ask that you would do this now in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so Mark chapter 1, verse 16, we see where Jesus meets Peter. Let's look at the call together. Look at verse 17. This is what the call is. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. This is the call. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what we want to do with the rest of our time is we want to look at three ways that we let this calling play out in our lives. And here's the first one. We need to let his purpose align you. You need to let his purpose align you. When we look at this call, we can actually kind of work our way backwards from it. Look at the call of where it ends up. Look where the end result is. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. This is Jesus' purpose for these men. His purpose was that they would become fishers of men. And he was giving them an assignment. He was instilling in them a new purpose, a new purpose for living. And that purpose was to fish for men. And how fitting was it that the first followers that he called, this, this assignment of fishing for men, was given to fishermen, right? Like a little play on words. He's kind of coming to these men who were fishing, but this was their profession. They were fishermen. They spent their days on the lake and fishing for a living. This is what they did. But what Jesus was doing was coming and rewriting this, and so we're clear what he was saying when he says that you're going to be fishing for men, is he's like, your new purpose is to look for men, for women, for children to proclaim the good news of the gospel to. Because of the destruction of sin and our need for repentance, they have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth, church, is that this is still 
the call for us today, right? This is still the call that we are living out today. We, would, we share a similar mission to you, and that is the mission of our church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And what is that Great Commission? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus, as he was ending his ministry with the disciples, he said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This was a call that he gave to his disciples at the end of his time, and this is still the call that is present to us. Hopefully, if you've been around for a while, this is all review, right? This isn't all new information. We know this, right? We would say that we believe this, that we're supposed to be fishing for men, that we're supposed to be making disciples. This is the call that Jesus has given us. But I wonder, do we really know this? Do you believe that this is God's central purpose for your life? This is the way that he has given you, that he has assigned you to bring him glory, We talk about this all the time in our church, and I know you talk about it here, is that we exist for the glory of God, right? That Westminster Catechism, it says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And one of the primary ways that we glorify Him is by giving testimony to who He is and what He has done, and especially to those who have never heard and are certainly not following Him. So here's my question this morning, church is how are we doing? Are you fishing for men? Like, is this a regular part of your life? And I love that picture, right? In the same way that the fisherman goes out with the intent on catching fish, right? He throws in the net, he casts the rod, he sets the line. In the same way that a fisherman is intent on catching fish, are you intent on catching men in this sense? Are you looking for those opportunities? Are you taking those opportunities to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you? See, the statistics, I I know them. Uh, I'm sure you have maybe heard some too, but there's a study done a few years ago by Lifeway Research. It surveyed people who attend church once or more a month, which sadly kind of side note, sadly, once, or, once a month or, no, or more is kind of considered today as a regular attender. That's pretty sad. That's kind of hard to really engage in the community that God's designed for us. That's not really what he intended for the church to be, just sort of a once a month thing, but that's for a different sermon at a different time. Okay, but Lifeway is researching people that attend once a month or more, and of those regular churchgoers, 80% of them responded with this. They agreed that they have a personal responsibility to share their religious beliefs about Jesus Christ with non-Christians. And that would probably be true, if not even more, in this room this morning. If I was to do a show of hands, I'm sure most of the hands in this room would say, yes, I believe that I have a personal responsibility, that I am called to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. But 61% of those same folks who said that they believed that they had that responsibility had not done so in the previous six months. Zero. Zero times in the previous six months had they shared about Jesus Christ. Only 14% said that they had shared about Jesus three or more times in the previous six months. 
So where is this disconnect, right? Because I know in my own life and in the lives of the believers around me, this isn't happening nearly as often as it should, right? We're not fishing for men in the way that we would like to. And so I wonder, have you shared? What's your story? Can you point to someone in the last six months that you've shared the good news of Jesus Christ with? Or maybe to frame it a little differently, what about go back two years? Is there someone in the last two years that you can say, I've led, I've shown this person Jesus Christ and they have received because of my testimony? We know that it's not you who saves, that's God who saves, but he uses us. Is, is there been someone that you have been able to have a direct impact on sharing the gospel that you've seen them respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and have they embraced Jesus as their Savior? See, I ask this not to mean to guilt you, but really to ask. I'm just wondering, church, how are we doing at fishing for men? Because here's what I believe about you. I believe that you really, really want to. If I was to ask, do you want to share about Jesus, most hands, again, in this room would go up, yes, we want to. But then I wonder, the question is, then why aren't we? Right? Like, why aren't we sharing? Why aren't we fishing for men in the way that Jesus has called us to? Well, first I would say, if you would say in your heart that you don't want to, you have no desire to tell others about Jesus, then in love, I would implore you, I would ask you to examine your own heart and just ask, do you really know Jesus? Right? Do you really know him? Because if you have no desire to tell others about the good news of who he is and what he's done in your life, then I'm wondering if you know it yourself. In love this morning, I would ask that you would look at your own heart and say, have I really received? Do I really believe? Because if I have, then of course I would want to. Well, then why don't we? Well, here's some common reasons that maybe I've heard or that maybe you would give. I think some reasons why we don't share the gospel. Some would say that they're unequipped. They don't feel like they have the tools in their tool belt to be able to do it. Maybe they're worried they're going to do it wrong. Maybe this is you this morning. You feel like you're unequipped to be able to share. And I love that one because that's the easiest ones to dispel. Can I just tell you something this morning? You are equipped, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story of what Jesus has done in your heart. And so you are equipped and you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have every tool at your disposal to be able to share the way that Jesus intends you to do so, okay? So no follower of Jesus is unequipped to be able to do so. Going back to that same study, it's interesting, 75% said that they do feel comfortable sharing, okay? So maybe that's not our example, maybe that's not the, the story for us, maybe we're not unequipped, maybe we're just forgetful, right? Maybe you have forgotten your own story. And I think when we do this, we undervalue the gift of heaven, right? We undervalue, we forget the blessing of forgiveness, So maybe the reason that you're not sharing is you're just forgetful about what Christ has truly done for you. And can I just remind you this morning that it's it's a miracle what he's done in your heart. He's raised you from the dead. He's brought you to life. He's forgiven your sin and he's set you on this new path with new meaning, with new purpose that has eternal blessings at its end. And his name is Jesus Christ, okay? And so let's not be forgetful in the things that he's done, but maybe that's our thing. Maybe we're forgetful. Or maybe you don't share the gospel because you're fearful. Uh, similarly to being maybe unequipped, maybe you're fearful that you're going to mess it up or maybe that you're going to offend, right? 
Again, can I just dispel this one for you, is that you most certainly will offend somebody as you share the gospel of Jesus. It's offensive. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, I think both you and I would say that if we were to have a ministry exactly like Jesus, that that would be a successful ministry, right? Well, Jesus offended many people as he shared the truth of who God is and what God was doing. You will most certainly offend as you share the good news of Jesus. Not everyone's going to want to receive it. Not everyone's going to want to hear it. And we live in a day, we live in a culture, we live in a time when we are tolerant to everything except the message of Jesus Christ. And so, if you are fearful, that's a valid fear, but what Jesus would say is fear not, right? Because I am with you and he has called you to this. And so, if you offend in love, graciously share, but you will still most likely offend. See, there's this love that we can have for others and for sure we want to share that, we want to show that. I mean, imagine if there was out in the parking lot a chest containing a million dollars that all you had to do was go and get it, and it was available to everyone in this room, and I came in here with the knowledge that, man, if you all went out there after the service and you got this chest and there's a million dollars, it's just yours for the taking. How unloving would it be not to just tell you about that? Like, it's right there. Why don't you go and get it, right? But... I think if I was fearful, well, maybe they don't believe me, or maybe they'll get offended, or maybe they don't, you know, where's that coming from? Like, I wouldn't care. I'm like, it's up to you at that point, right? I just, I want you to know that there's this available to you, and so maybe that's your thing. Maybe you're fearful, or maybe this. I see this sometimes. Maybe you're apathetic, and at your heart, in the heart, you just really, honestly, you don't care that much. And I don't think we mean to get to this place, but at its core, I wonder if what we're doing, if we don't care, if functionally we're denying the reality of hell. Do you know what I mean by that? Like if reality would say that those separated from Jesus are going to spend their eternity in hell, separated from Jesus then maybe functionally we're just denying that truth by not sharing with those around you. Because if we believe that, right? If we believe in the reality of an eternal separation from God, our Father, then how could we not share with those that we love? How could we not tell them about the future that's coming? How can we not tell them about the path of hope that, that the, the way has been made by Jesus Christ, right? And I don't think that we mean to be apathetic, but I think functionally we deny the reality of this existence, and so we miss it. Or maybe it's just this. Maybe we're just distracted. Maybe we've got so many other things going on. We've got our phone in our hands, right? We've got the remote in our hand. Sometimes the phone is the remote, right? And we've, just, we've got Netflix. We've got coffee. We've got everything we need, right? I'm just going to binge the show. I'm just going to tune it out. I'm just going to play this game. I'm just going to check Facebook. I'm just going to do whatever it might be. Maybe we're just distracted and we've lost a vision. We've lost the call that's on our life because we've got so many other things that are happening around us that we are focused on. But here is the call on all of our lives from Jesus Christ. It's this. Let me give it to you again. It's that his purpose would align you. His purpose for your life is that you would be a fisher of men. So how are we doing? Are we fishing for men? Let me encourage you with something, though. 
if you feel discouraged by that, well, man, I don't know if I am, or I know for sure I'm not, how do I get there? Well, Jesus wants to help with that. Look what his call is again. Look back at verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Do you see the process there? Do you see how you become a a fisher of men? He makes you become it. And that's the second thing, is let his process refine you, right? Let his purpose align you, but let his process refine you. And I guarantee this this morning, that not all of us walked into this place. We certainly didn't all enter a relationship with Jesus with all the tools equipped to be able to be a fisher of men. But that's why he says this, follow me and I will make you become fisher of men. And I love this because Jesus came to these men. Do you see what he says here? He came to Peter and to Andrew, to Simon and Andrew, said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He goes on, he calls two more. Look at verse 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he, that's Jesus, saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Do you see who came to them? It was Jesus. Jesus came to them. Jesus was the one who called to himself, and it's such a great picture of this right? He met them in their place. He came to them as they were in their place of occupation. Madison, if you don't know, is situated on two large lakes. It's actually on four lakes. It's kind of the city of four lakes, but there's two prominent ones that the city is right in between, and so there is a ton of fishing uh, in our area, kind of around us, as I know there is up here as well, but this wasn't just for sport. This wasn't just for fun. This was their occupation, These men were fishermen, and Jesus came to them. He met them in their place, and he called them out of that. He was the initiator, right? They didn't seek him out. Jesus sought them out. It wasn't based on their fantastic resume or all that they had done. When you think of Peter, and you think of Andrew, and you think of James and John, what you need to think of is just probably regular, ordinary fishermen, Kind of the blue collar, just regular guys, like not a ton of, you know, aspirations beyond just they were fishing, right? The Zebedee sons, like their dad had always fished. Now they were taking over the business. They were going to probably hand it off to their sons. And so this is just who they were. But this is who Jesus called to himself. He came to them, not because of their Bible school or their seminary degree, not because of their professional training, not because they were great speakers or had any major skills that he knew. I mean, they, he came to them and just called them based on his initiative and who he was. Jesus called these men to himself. And I think you and I need to remember that. That's the same way that you and I were called. And so many times I think we hear a sermon like this, or we hear this, this, this idea of fishing for men, and we think that you and I, that we need to go make this happen, right? That I got it, well, I got to do it now. Give me, the, give me the list, and I'm going to go do it. Isn't that what last week's sermon was about, right? I'm going to go do it, right? Tell me what to do. And here's the amazing thing that Jesus says, is he's like, hey, I have a process for you, and I'm going to make you become this. This isn't even something that you have to do, or that you can just make happen. I'm initiating, I'm calling you, and I'm going to to do this. I'm going to make you become. 
I think the amazing truth for us this morning is this, is that still the same with us, that Jesus is the one who's shaping us, who's forming us into the person that he would have us become. He's the one who's equipping. He's the one that's stirring in our hearts for this. He's the one that is giving us everything we need to be able to follow through with these things that he's called us to do. He's doing this work. And so when they come, Jesus, part of this process for them was for them to respond to him. And look at the response. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And what did they do? Immediately, they left their nets and they began to follow him, right? And then James and John, same thing. Immediately, they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat and the hired servants and they followed him. Their response tells us a couple of things. First off, their response, it was immediate. No delay, no debate. No deliberation, right? They just went for it. They're like, we are following Jesus. They dropped it and they went. It was immediate. And their response wasn't just immediate, it was with sacrifice. They had to leave some things behind to follow Jesus. More than that, they had to leave everything. Later in the book of Mark, Peter makes this statement to Jesus. He says to him, he says, hey, Jesus, see, we have left everything to follow you. We've left everything. And the reason that they left everything was so that Jesus could make them become the people that he had called them to be. And so I wonder this morning, is are there some things that we need to leave behind so that Jesus can form us more closely into the person that he's called us to be? Are there some things that you need to leave behind to become the person that God is shaping you to become? I don't know what that is this morning. I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know if it's some goals. I don't know if it's a career. I don't know if it's a mindset. Maybe there's some habits. Maybe there's some things that you're trying to follow Jesus, but you're still hanging on to some things from the past. And I just want to tell you this morning from God's word that that just doesn't work. That's not how God's called us. He's called us to respond and to follow him and immediately to give up these things that would hinder us. And for Peter, for Andrew, they had to drop their nets, they had to drop, they had to leave this profession that they were in. For James, for John, they were leaving the family business, right? Zebedee was left holding the nets, hey, where are you guys going? Hey, boys, get back here, right? The hired hands, everything, like they were leaving it all behind to follow Jesus. They had to leave some things, and that was part of the process. And I think sometimes we don't want to go through the process. We want the immediate results. We want it done now. Right? We live in a microwave age. Things are available present, like now. If your internet is ever going slow in the slightest bit, which we have a very new definition right, for slow internet. If you've never heard a dial-up tone, then you have no idea what slow internet is. Like you would leave the room and go eat lunch and come back and hope that the download was done. Right? Like We get annoyed if it, like, Netflix had to buffer for a minute, and it's just like, Wow, what's going on? Like, we got to reset this. Call the company. we got to get this figured out, right? This is how we want our, reli- our faith, though, right? This is what we've made our religion, is that this is instantaneous. I want it done. I want it now. And so Jesus called me, and so why am I not this superstar sharer of the gospel? Why am I not everything that he's called me to be? It's because there's this process. He is working you through a process, and it begins 
by dropping, by leaving, by letting go of some things and following him. And so maybe you've been following Jesus for some time, but you're still trying to drag some things behind you. I want to tell you that part of the process is letting those things go. They had to leave some things behind in order for Jesus to do the things that he was going to do. And I wonder, what if this church... This is a picture we gave to our church a couple, years ago, or a couple of months ago. But what if our church, what if your church was to do this? What if we were to give God a blank check with our lives? What if every person in this room was to do that? It's this idea that, that if you were to kind of give God a blank check and you would let him cash it for any amount, right? So there's everything is on the table. You're willing to give up your time. You're willing to give up your skills. You're willing to give up your resources, your money, your future, your plans, whatever it is. If you were to give him a blank check and just say, God, I want you to take this and to use it and to cash it for whatever it is that you want from me. I'm willing to give you anything that you ask of me. What if all of us were to do that together in this room? Could you imagine what God could do here in this city and in the communities around Rochester? See, part of that process is he wants you to be willing to give him everything so that he can use it for his work and for his glory. And he is using you even now. Start looking around and seeing what are some ways, some intentional ways that God has you, some places, some relationships, some people that God has you around now that he can begin using you. That's part of his process. Part of his process, the way that he's refining you is he's using you in the places that you are right now. I wonder how God's asking you to, to surrender to him so that he can refine you more. We need to stop trying harder and start praying more that God would do this. Know that he has equipped you. Know that he is working where you are right now and Christ is making you into this fisher of men. He says, I will make you become a fisher of men. So the process by which we do that is by following him and that's the last thing is that let his leading define you. Let his leading define you. Just so we're clear, what Jesus is calling them to is he's calling them not to a program, not to just a purpose, not just to a process. What Jesus is calling them to is himself. He's calling them to a person. When he says, he came to these men, Simon and Andrew, and he said to them, here's the call again, verse 17, follow me, right? Follow me. And so you and I are called, the leading in our life is to be Jesus Christ. We are to be following after Jesus. And it's in that following that he makes us become fishers of men. This is what he's calling you to. And these men, let's, let's understand, because I think maybe it's easy to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe they were ready to get out of the fishing gig anyways. Maybe they were just sort of done with that, right? And this Jesus comes along and it's like, hey, this was, the, this was the break they were waiting for. I don't think that's really the case. I actually uh, looked up and kind of studied a little bit about what fishing would have been like in the day. It was actually a pretty booming business. Like Galilee was known, the area of Galilee was sort of known, not just nationally, but internationally for the fish. Like it was being exported out. If you got some Galilean fish, like that was some good 
eating right there, right? And so in the same way that Rochester is known not just nationally, internationally for the medical community here, right? People know, like, what do you think of when you think of Rochester? You think of the Mayo Clinic, right? That's just what you're kind of known for. If you were in the region of Galilee, you would have thought of fishing. And so these men were in it. If they were in any way doing any successful, they would have had to been competing and kind of doing this at a pretty significant level. And so we don't really know much about Peter and Andrew's business, but we do know the Zebedee and sons, they had hired servants, they had multiple boats, like dad was involved. I mean, it was a good business. And so they weren't just leaving behind some little, you know, just this, we kind of think of it, this hobby or something like that. They were leaving behind their very way of life. As they were leaving and following after Jesus, they were saying goodbye to everything that they had known, every source of income, every way to provide for the family, everything. They were giving it all up for what? To follow Jesus. They were leaving that behind to follow his leading, to follow him as a person. And so I just want to tell you this this morning, is that the call that Jesus has on your life is better than any program or any plan or any career that you can come up with. All right? The thing that Jesus is calling you to, it's better than any of that. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go and now change their job or find a new place or he might actually have you exactly where you are. But the question is, are you following him in the midst of where you are? He's not calling us to go all and quit our jobs or kind of change, make a whole bunch of changes. He might have you exactly where you are, but he's calling you to himself. And that's the question this morning is, are you following Jesus Christ? Because here's the thing, I think it's so easy for us to follow a leader Maybe it's a small group leader, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's whatever it might be. We're, we, 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 we tend to follow leaders. I think sometimes we tend to even follow churches. This church is fantastic. I love this church. I tell our church all the time, like, I want our church to be like your church when our church grows up. There's some amazing things that God is doing and continuing to do here. You guys have a fantastic church. I know there's been some tough seasons lately, but God is still working here and he's doing some incredible things here and that is, but here's the thing is he's not called you to follow a leader. He's not called you to follow a church. You know what he's called you to follow? He's called you to follow himself. He's called you to follow the person of Jesus Christ. And so are you following Jesus? This is the best call that he has on your life. The call that we've been given is to follow him. And so how do we do this? How do we follow Jesus today? Well, I think we do it in the way that Christians for centuries have done. We spend time with him through Bible study and through prayer. You're like, come on, it's got to be harder than that. It's really not. It's really not. The time that we spend in his word... The time that we spend in prayer talking to him is how we get to know him better. It's the way, primary way that we follow him. The other way that we follow Jesus is by doing this. He didn't call us to this by ourselves. He called these men to it together. We get to do this together in community. You get to do this with other followers of Jesus. And so you discuss your faith. You interact with your faith. You exhort one another. You encourage one another. You challenge one another. You forgive one another. You show grace to one another. We get to do this together. This is the way that we get to follow Jesus. And it's really quite simple. It's in spending time with him and then doing that in community 
together. This is what Jesus has called us to. And so are you letting his leading align you or define you? Is it his leading that is defining where you're going and and what's driving you and where you are heading? See, because Peter, if we go back to Peter, remember Peter, Peter stood up and he preached this bold sermon And what gave him the ability to do that, what made all the difference, what made the change, was that he had been with Jesus. You know, even his opponents recognized this. In Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. You know what it says next? It says, They recognized that they had been with Jesus. The three years that Peter spent Following Jesus made all the difference and transformed him into this bold, this giant of a fisher of men. And I know that there's, for many of you, this is not the call on your life. You're not going to stand up. You're not going to preach before thousands. You may never even deliver a sermon or you might not go into ministry or do something like this. But I promise you this, that God is transforming you. He wants you to become a fisher of men in the same way that he called Peter and made him become a fisher of men. So maybe for you, you're like, I, I'll never do that. And maybe you won't, but maybe we begin at a small level. And can I just give you two helpful ways that God might be calling you to do this even now in the midst of your life? Here's the first. One is begin with prayer. Do you have a list of people that you are praying regularly for? Some people that God's put in your life already. It could be relatives, it could be loved ones, it could be co-workers, it could be neighbors, it could be just relationships that you've had from the past or whatever it might be. Do you have some people in your life that you're regularly praying for? I read recently of an example of this, this person who came to Christ in a hostile country and the first thing that they did when they do this is they make a list of all the people least likely to kill them when they find out that they're now a follower of Jesus and that's who they begin praying for. Like that's what their list is. Who's least likely to kill me? This is now the list of the people that I'm going to now pray that Jesus works in their life. So if they can make a list, certainly you and I can make a list, right? Okay, that's not our hesitation. We're not trying to figure out who's going to kill us. So let's make a list. And then I want, you to, I want to ask you this. Who is the one? Who's the one? Who's the one person on your list that more than anyone God is calling, that he's asking, that he's telling you need to share with them? God is working in their life. He's placed you uniquely in their life to be a part of this. Who is the one? That's the first thing. Begin with prayer. Here's the second thing. I heard it said like this, and I forget which pastor I heard this from, but I, I loved it, and it's kind of stuck with me. It's when we do this, it's when we sow gospel threads into the fabric of our lives. Are you sharing what God is doing with those around you? And I'm not just talking about like your church friends. I'm talking about like everybody. Like are you sewing the gospel threads into the fabric of your life? That instead of, here's what I mean by that, instead of talking about like coincidences or man, it was just really cool the way this worked out. Like would we be bold enough to say like I'm just so thankful that God did this in my life, right? I want to point to Jesus and I want to point to what God has done. Or Or would we be so bold as to share our story about what we really believe about Jesus and what he's doing? And hey, what's going on? What'd you do this week? I mean, that we would share, well, God just really actually did some really cool things. Or I saw this. I mean, can we just sow the gospel, the thread of the gospel into the fabric of our lives? Intentionally pursue, create opportunities. I mean, go after those people around, invite them to dinner. Like, 
Don't just pull into the garage and shut the door. Like, go over and say hello and, and like, let's have some conversations. Let's, let's just intentionally pursue and, and sow that gospel thread into the fabric of our lives. It's not about starting something new. It's about engaging where God has you. And I tell you this, if you still don't feel like you can do it, Jesus wants to change that. He wants to make you become a follower of him. That's what he is doing as we follow him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we talk about sharing the gospel, what we're talking about is we're talking about the work that you've done on the cross, God, your saving work in and through our lives, God, but ultimately done, God, on the cross. Lord, we're talking about forgiveness of sin. God, we're talking about eternal salvation. Lord, we're talking about meaning and purpose and life. And God, this is what you've given us. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would be stirring this up in our hearts, God, that you would be creating us into the people that you've called us to be. God, we love you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. 